my lighting good? Huh? Light good? Yeah, your light's good, man. You pretty out here. It's all good. <laughs> all right, here we go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the great pleasure of having Sam Stillwell with me today. Sam, how are things up north in, what is it, Illinois? Yeah, yeah, Champaign, Illinois. Pretty good. Everything is, you know, starting to open back up. So, but um, yeah, I'm glad to be on. Um, I'll be getting a lot of value from the podcast and then our virtual meetups too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do me a favor. If the listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Instagram at two b underscore great. That's t o b underscore great. LinkedIn Samuel Stillwater Fourth. Facebook. Samuel Stillwater Ford. Got it. Got it. You guys got it. Three different platforms. Check them out. And so now that we've got through the important stuff, let's get into the deal, man. Do me a favor and tell the listeners a little bit about your background and then let's dive into these missteps. Okay. Um, we have very similar backgrounds. I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, I end up going to North Carolina A&T. I play football and I majored in architectural engineering. And then after that, I ended up getting a job with the Army Corps of Engineers in Champaign, Illinois. Nice. And so, you know, why not just work your engineering job? Why, why are you in real estate, and multifamily in particular? So, um, I was kind of exposed to it with my dad. Um, when I was young, me and my sister visited him on the weekends and he would, uh, often access like uh, if we were mind helping him getting up early with him the next morning to help him with something and most of the time it was something dealing with his property so um, but I think when I got to college like my, around my senior year when I started really like learning about money and credit and things like that I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and that's when it really like put that sense of urgency to it um, so I knew that's one of that's one of the first things I wanted to do when I got a job was buy assets. So nice. And so you grabbed this triplex, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But was this your first attempt or did you start buying something and then got a little jammed up and didn't end up closing that one? Talk to me about the process to get into this triplex. So yeah, like I'm I'm very much beginning. Um I have been searching for a while. Like, as soon as I moved up here about um, February of 2019, um, I started searching. Um, I only put in one other – I was about to put in one offer, one other offer. No, I actually did put in an offer on one um, fourplex before this, but um, you helped me out with that one, and we ended up putting in a great offer, and we, but we didn't get the, get the property. So that might have been a blessing on that one. but. Um, as far as looking at deals, I did try wholesaling for a while. So I was looking at a lot of single families. And um, that's where I pretty much learned a lot from, along with, um, you know, Jay Morrison, Grant Cardone, Bigger Pockets, places like that, YouTube University. But um, I, this triplex uh, was off market. Um, the realtor I have been working with for a few months, um, a guy was about to list the property with him and we had already been working together. So, you know, I was first in line 
and it is right next to the University of Illinois. Um, and that's pretty much the economy of, of this area. So I was, you know, pretty excited um, about the location. And I ended up getting it for 180K. And the rental income from the two units, the two upstairs units um, total is, is what or was 1900. But I mean, the property, it, it was vacant when I, when I bought it and it's still vacant now, but um, that's the, that's the uh, rental income. Got it. Got it. So how did you value the property knowing that it wasn't producing any income? So that, I think I, I definitely messed up on that part. Um, I was, I think I was so excited about the location and the seller's numbers that I put in that initial offer, which, which was horrible. Um, and then when I got the rent rolls and utilities, I think I kind of just really glanced over it. Like I didn't really put the time into it like I should have. So I didn't really change my offer. Um, the, the seller's numbers and the rent rolls were just a little bit, just a little bit off. So I definitely should have changed my offer. And then some things I, I feel like I should have considered is this house is very old. It was, it was built in 1902. This um this is a historic neighborhood, and there's some things I think I would I would have just assumed some some expenses because of how old the property is. So, yeah, that I think that was my first mistake was that offer was horrible, and luckily the appraisal saved me, and that's how I got it for 180. So, so what was your initial what was your initial offer? <laughs> it, it was uh it was 230 and what was that based on it was based on the seller's numbers so the seller just came out and said i want 230 for the property and you said okay no he said he wanted uh he wanted 245 and i used the seller's numbers to kind of get a uh a value based on the rental income and then i just deducted some expenses that i thought would come up and then that's how I got uh, two thirty. Got it. Got it. So, what was the lesson that you learned in that part? I think we're gonna have a series of lessons in this one. But what was the lesson that you learned in putting a number on the property? Like, why did your realtor let you write at such a high number if the appraiser didn't work out? So, the the offer, the initial offer came in well I put in an initial offer and then the appraisal didn't happen till it was like really close to closing. Mm -hmm. So um I mean from my understanding realtors can't really suggest well my the realtor was was the buyer and seller's agent. Uh he was representing both sides and he yeah. so he really wasn't representing your side. I guess, I guess not. No, you got to understand the person that's writing the check is a person who they work for, right? So you weren't paying that realtor, the agent, I mean, the seller was paying him. So mm -hmm. even though there was five or 6% commission in the deal, he was getting all of it and it was all coming from the seller. 
He had zero fiduciary responsibility to you. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> so you you make the offer and the appraisal comes back right before closing. It says, hey, the numbers don't match. We're $50,000 less based on comps in the area. And so how do you manage that negotiation? Do you just shrug your shoulders? Like what happens at that point? So at that point, it was pretty much uh, up to the seller if you wanted to sell to me for that price. And for me, once again, you know, I, I made some mistakes. So I thought I was like getting a you know great deal um, by getting that deduction. So, um, but he ended up selling it to me for that, for the 180. Okay. And did you know why he was selling the property? So from my understanding, he was getting rid of all his vacant, vacant properties. Okay. And did you know how long the property been vacant before you purchased it? Yeah, based on the rent roll, it was just a few months, maybe three, three months or so. Okay. Was it a college rental or, or you know, how was it being utilized before? Yeah, it, it was... Uh, so the top unit was rented out per room, and then the bottom unit was um, just rented out as a whole. So basically, it was a student rental. Okay. Overall. All right. And so, what was your business plan? What What did you plan, or what are you doing with the property? So my business plan was to just basically do the same thing and raise rents um, if I could, especially. Um, because I came in in the first month, I fixed it up and I was able to do that because it was vacant. Um, I put in new floors, new, uh, new light fixtures. And then I live in a basement unit and that the basement definitely needed some work, but I, I'm not finished with the basement yet, but basically just to raise rents a little bit and, um, sell it. So it's basically, you know, kind of a short-term play. I'm thinking like two, three years maybe. Okay. And so why are you doing all the work yourself instead of using third-party property management or vendors to do the construction? So I was – that's another mistake I made was – um. so as I was trying to buy – as I was in the process of buying a property, I – had a, a vehicle breakdown and that really took the uh took a lot of uh cash from me so um when it's time to close I was really like scraping up everything I had and that really left me with no reserves um once I closed so um I had already kind of planned to do everything myself because I kind of wanted to learn but um I really didn't have a choice because of the reserves I didn't have. So. Okay, and so the reserves are going to, well, you don't have the reserves, so you're working through that and you're just basically bootstrapping it, get it rent ready, get some cash flow coming in, reduce your expenses and basically live for free by living in the basement and then flip out, refi probably at some point, get your equity back out and then go do something else. Yep, exactly. Okay, and so 
you know, when you're done with everything and you've got to fully rent it, what do you expect the property to be worth? I could comfortably say 200. Um, yeah, comfortably I'll say 200. I won't go above that, but it, it very much could be above that. So. Okay. And what type of loan do you have on the property? Like FHA. FHA, so low down payment, 3%, 5%, 10%. What, what type of down payment did you put in? 3.5. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so there won't be a ton of equity in the deal and you won't really have, um, you can only have one FHA loan at a time, but this allows you to get the ball rolling and get you to live for free. So you can basically save your whole paycheck and not have any housing expenses, which I think is awesome. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what, if you had to go through this process all over again, what would you do different? I would probably wait um, just for the fact of, you know, I didn't really, I'm learning how important reserves are, especially with COVID and things like that. And then listening to this podcast, everybody's talking about reserves. So I'm really learning about that. if I would have bought it, I probably would have bought it a lot less because it was vacant and I didn't, because what I didn't understand was the timing piece of it, um, because I did buy it in the middle middle of a school year. So um, I was kind of thinking, as soon as I put in the floors and things like that, fix it up, I, I should be able to get tenants. But um, it was like, as soon as I put it on the market, there's already people asking for August and March. So um, I definitely would have considered that more heavier than I did. Um, and I would definitely um, definitely really look at the numbers. Like I said, I really glossed over. I think I was just way too excited over the location and the seller's numbers. Okay. And so you mentioned early on podcast univ- or YouTube you and going through podcast university. Why did you do that instead of actually getting some formal education to get you to walk you through this process? So I think that is that is one thing I, I regret. Um, but I just like I said, I didn't really understand the importance of, of following one mentor. Um, I'm, I kind of just started learning that once I already bought the property or right before. Um, So I thought I was getting good enough information from YouTube and from wholesaling. I thought I pretty much knew enough to just get the deal done and and do it correctly without, without any major mistakes. But um, I was wrong about that. So. (laughs) Yeah. I I find often that when we go and try to self-teach ourselves, you know, you end up in a spot where you're either overconfident or super frustrated because you don't actually have all the dots connected. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I worry about in this particular situation for you is how are we going to get you out of this deal? Is the market going to be such that you're able to sell it at a profit? Will you have to bite the bullet and take a loss? Will you be able to break even? Like what all is going to play out in this deal just because you know, you pay full retail for it, uh, but you need to do a value add component. 
And so, but not having the reserves up front puts you in a really tough situation because the units will go on rent for a while. And because you live here, it's partially good because it's just like paying a mortgage instead of, you know, putting something in a single family home. It's just, you know, opportunity costs maybe, but, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunity here for you to, you know, learn a ton of lessons and uh, get your feet wet. I mean, I imagine the majority of folks that you graduated with last year uh, probably don't have ownership in a property and certainly not a multifamily property. So kudos to you for taking action. Uh, the only thing that I think could have been better is just getting properly educated so that you mm -hmm. just, and, you know, I, I think that would be, you know, prudent for anybody. And so, you know, the last question I have for you, Sam, is like, what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? Well, like you said, um, try to find one mentor and go ahead and pay for that education. Um, of course, do your shopping around. Um, yeah, just find a find a mentor, and then even on your first deal, just make sure you're not too excited. Make sure you have somebody really helping you with the due diligence, looking over the numbers with you. Um, yeah, basically, like you said, don't be overconfident. And then um, another, the last crazy thing about this property was it it was more stressful than anything because not only was it vacant and I wasn't getting, you know, the income from it, but I've been dealing with rats for the longest, like, <laughs> like, uh, so it, it was vacant in the cold and, you know, in Illinois it gets real cold. So, um, I guess the rats had pretty much infested the property. And so like the first few weeks of living here, I couldn't even get no sleep because the rats are in the ceiling gnawing. Like they would wait till I lay my head down and go right above my head in the ceiling and start gnawing at the ceiling. So that's that's honestly been the most stressful part of it. And I've been I after I paid two different pest control companies and we finally got rid of the issue, but it took months to get rid of them. So <laughs> crazy, man. And so, you know, it's the little things that you never expect, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I got into the deal. I'm stressed about having money to do the rehab. My car broke. Like, everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. And on top of that, mm -hmm. I sleep. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. And I've never dealt with rats before. So. Welcome to game sam you got some great lessons baby i'm excited mm -hmm. you got a long career ahead of you you're gonna make a pile of money and you'll always be able to tell the story about the rats in the ceiling in your first one when you're <laughs> next generation and telling them hey man it's not that bad let me tell you about my story and that's the whole word that's man it's to have <laughs> stories from operators so people know everybody makes mistakes but that doesn't mean it's the end of the road. And just because you went through this stuff and you've been coming on here being transparent and sharing, anybody who listens to your episode doesn't have to make those same mistakes. So Sam, really grateful for you coming on the Multifamily Missteps and we'll talk to you soon. Oh yeah, I appreciate it.